0: Hey guys, Mackenzie here. Today, our episode looks a little different as we dive into the hard conversations that have been on our hearts. We want to shed light on a place we feel is often overlooked, but has the power to bring about truth and in turn change the world. And that place is simply the family. So, what was the final straw that sparked this conversation after months of unsettling news? Well, The divorce of Rachel and Dave Hollis.
1: Welcome to Unraveled Podcast. I'm Bridget. And I'm Mackenzie. This is the place where we unravel all the things on our hearts.
0: Laughter, tears, and real talk are all invited. Here we go.
1: For those of you guys who don't know, Rachel and Dave Hollis are the founders of The Hollis Company. And Rachel Hollis wrote the overnight success um, self-help book, girl, wash your face, which I vividly remember waddling into a bookstore and getting when I was pregnant. And I was very inspired by it. Um, And they are a very impressive, well, they were a very impressive couple. They produced over 200 episodes of the Rise Together podcast and their tagline of that podcast is how to have an exceptional marriage.
0: And I remember when um, it was your birthday, and Johnny was planning just an amazing gift, and I was going to send you this little start today journal. I thought we could do that together, and then he sends you to Charleston for her retreat this is what 's
1: embarrassing well i 'm not embarrassed, but i 'm just laughing at how much of a fan I was that my best friend gets me her journal, and then my husband gets me tickets to see her in person and it just—it's crazy that I—I I mean, cut to now. All of this is just going on, and a few weeks ago, as you know, the world's falling apart. I'm scrolling, and then just to make matters worse, Dave Hollis posts,
0: "Our marriage has run its course." That's
1: even worse. Our marriage has it run is. its course.
0: <sighs> like I've never heard marriage. In the same. Yeah, I didn't like that. know that a marriage,
1: like just an average Joe marriage, can run its course. That I guess that's like episode <laughs> two hundred and one. <laughs> Your marriage can run its course, everyone. And in a matter of minutes, this just shows you my level of fandom. In a matter of minutes, I had multiple text messages from different people with screenshots screenshots of the same exact post. And then right. one of my friends texted me something that was very daunting, and she said, "If they can't make it, is there hope for any of us?"
0: And that I don't think she was the only one that said that. But the point is, I we just have to make this disclaimer, you guys, that this is not commentary on all divorce or all reasons for divorce. There are many, many very serious and even sometimes harmful situations that people must remove themselves from. And it is none of my business, none of our business, what goes on to, like in the depths of marriage. However, as we were, you know, diving into this specific situation, it, the post itself felt like it was glorifying. Um, the ending of a marriage and it really kind of pointed out something that um, to bridge and I, that we realized is all connected. It has to do with the family. Uh,
1: Exactly what Mackenzie said there, are, I mean, even in my own family um, there are grave reasons to divorce. And that is not what this episode is about. We're talking about the normalization of divorce and how, even if in, you know, very, very serious situations, divorces occur we, can, we cannot become a culture that is so numb to the ending of a relationship that we honor it and we lift it up and we praise it as a great decision.
0: Do you remember when you told me in your divorce group something specific? When a couple divorces, what happens and what do they need to tell their children? I'm glad you brought this up because mm-hmm.
1: this was so interesting to me. They are group um, who's called... Our group is called Recovering Origins, and the reason why it's named that is because when you are a child of divorce, a lot of times you feel like your story – of we all have a story of origin, all of us. Mm -hmm. And when you're a child of divorce, your story of origin is now broken apart, and you have to spend the rest of your life rewriting that story because your story of origin is always with your parents and your grandparents and your lineage, and it's Mm -hmm. so, so important for the development of the human person to know their family and to know where they come from even if they're from an adoptive family, to know that there is you know, parents that love them and that they grew up in a safe, loving environment and that they see examples of parents loving each other because that is where they develop the identity of how am I gonna be loved and how am I going to love another? And so often that is wrecked at such an early, early age that it can be detrimental. And one thing that they did studies on, and then they actually um, asked our group, looked at the numbers of, of kids whose parents normalized divorce versus kids whose parents exposed the purpose of the divorce, what happened and why they divorced. And they put a name to the trauma for that child. So for me, my mom was extremely honest with me. Well, I was the one who found out what was going on in my father's life, that it was its own wound that I had to go to my own mother and tell her that I had found all of these things that led to, you know, uncovering this double, double life, which was very traumatic. But then she came to me almost in tears after she had worked through everything, found out that all of it was true. And she said, I, I've consulted with a priest that I trust and love. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I have to leave and that was broken many, many times for many, many years. And so the interesting thing is when it comes to recovery of these adult children of divorce, the numbers show that when parents normalize it, it takes almost an entire lifetime for that child to even know where to begin with their own relationships in their life because they see mom and dad are friends, but they had to end their, their marriage. Does that mean anyone that I become friends with and fall in love with means that the relationship I develop with them can end at any point in time? Whereas when there's trauma in the marriage that ends the marriage, that child grows up knowing mom did this or dad did this and it caused the end of a marriage. Not all marriages end. Marriages that have serious, serious crises in them, if they cannot recover from them, that is why marriage ends. But you don't end a marriage and continue on as friends without seriously um, wounding your children, because that is going to create complexes in them where they don't even now trust their good relationships that they have. So yeah, it, Amen. I'm glad you brought it up because it was a very interesting conversation. You would think the opposite. You would think, oh, my parents normalized the divorce. Right. We're all hunky-dory.
0: We're all best friends. But right. that's not the case. No. Yeah, I see. You need need to heal. You need some closure with that.
1: This is why we're talking about this because Dave got on his podcast and he goes, Ray and I have been, and we still are best friends. Man, that friendship, that was the one thing that started what we were. And that has been the foundation of who we are and what we will continue to be the ability to have fun joke laugh and that is the through line that will exist in the midst of grief and that will exist in our relationship becoming what it has become our friends and our family and I'm sure even you are surprised by the announcement that we made three weeks ago that we are ending our marriage and in a lot of ways it has been a surprise and jarring for us because there wasn't a version of this as a thing that could happen until we were able to confront the things that have masked by our ability to have fun, joke, and have adventures and love these kids so well. Now that we've seen the things that have not brought out the best in each other exist under the fun, underneath the friendship, we have decided to do something that will afford us each the other side, and this is the sad part, of this hard time to become free for the calling of our life. That will allow each of us to fully live into what we were put on this planet for. Live what you were put on this earth to do. What is more important than loving your wife, who's supposedly your best friend, and taking care of your four kids with
0: her? Gosh, yeah. I mean, your number one vocation in life is to honor your spouse and your children. So that's kind of why we wanted to bring all of this up. And we'll just go straight into the episode. Bridget and I wrote 10 culture lies that we feel are all in many ways related to the breakdown of the nuclear family. So without further ado,
1: number one, I alone hold the key to my ultimate happiness. And I think that to me, this is true happiness comes from being other oriented, not inwardly oriented. When you're other-oriented, the people around you are what you realize makes you great. So your spouse makes you the best version of yourself. Your kids make you the best version of yourself. We were created for community. We all need to have people around us who love us and are raising us to our best standard. And we also need to have faith as the foundation.
0: Totally. One of my favorite quotes, Matthew Kelly says, is there's a huge difference between happiness and pleasure. So that joy and happiness is often delayed gratification. And while pleasures tend to be self-focused, happiness involves others. So exactly what you just said.
1: Well, and I think one thing that I'll say about um, going back to the Rachel Hollis thing is when you're an independent soul, it is hard to make the shift to marriage sometimes because you almost have to um, unravel yourself to use our to use our name, and say, wait, I have to allow for this person to make me a better person. And that takes vulnerability. It takes courage to say that you are not the ultimate key to your own happiness.
0: I know. They they make you better. And that's because it's three to get married. It's God and your spouse and you. I mean, we're all flawed. Like, please, if, if there wasn't a God within the marriage, then what do you have? I mean, well, who would we look to? And ultimately those, that spouse you pick is supposed to make you better. So thank God for that. And
1: number two, believing in conservative and traditional values, including supporting the nuclear family makes me intolerant.
0: Oh my goodness. Um, I have a lot to say about this, but you guys upholding traditional values, I think furthers our potential for greatness and freedom. I mean, president Obama, if we remember this quote, he said that children who grow up without fathers are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. So for me, the nuclear family is everything. Like with that stat alone, I'm going to guard that. I'm going to do my very best to uphold that even when it's hard and even when it's counterculture.
1: And it's almost freeing to know like I don't have to I don't have to join some huge movement. I don't have to go out there and do something big. All I have to do is help my spouse be a better father or I have to learn how to be a more um, loving, patient you know, mother or whatever, even if you're not married. How do you be a better daughter? How do you be a better sister? Um, it's so simple and we've made it so complicated. We have to join this movement or align with this certain party. And really all it is, is we need to go back and love our families. That's it.
0: That's it. We only have so much space in our lives to give of ourselves. So it might just be five to 10 people. So those are the people we're supposed to serve. How can you serve the world and condemn what other people are doing and how they're living their lives? If your own your own bed isn't made or your own, you know, kids aren't joyful. To your point, just go home. Love that family. Cool. Lie number three. If I share my countercultural views on social media, I will be ridiculed. So I shouldn't share. Hmm.
1: I think this is definitely a massive lie because um, even if there's one side that's being much more allowed then another side, or let's say you feel completely outnumbered, you know, all my followers post this, but I feel that I want to share that, you know, faith is what is going to change these things around, but you're so afraid because you're not hearing that message. That's just one example. Well, diversity of thought Mm -hmm. is actually a good thing. And when I learned that term, I actually fell in love with it because a lot of people use the word argument. But really, it's just diversity of thought if it's said in a respectful manner. And so if we don't add diversity to the thoughts that are out there, how will constructive conversations start that will encourage people to rethink their values or their stance on things? We always have to do it in love, and we always have to do it from a place of listening to the other person. But if we're just afraid Mm -hmm. to ever share our beliefs or our faith, then there's one loud, loud voice monopolizing the conversation.
0: Amen. And I think it's okay to be put into question sometimes. Like it honestly reminds you of why you believe the way you do. And if we really remember that God is a God of truth, then you are not alone in standing by your truth because God is truth. He made it. So even if you feel like you're standing alone, you're not. God is with.
1: Lie number four, because we don't believe the same things, we can't be friends.
0: Well, that's not true. Jesus tells us to love our neighbor.
1: And I just had a recent experience with this, where um, I had somebody point blank message me and ask me a bunch of different groups of people. Well, do you, how do you feel about you know these people or or this group of people or this group of people? And I was able to give this person an example of a friend I have in every single group that they mentioned. And they mentioned things like you know, how do you feel about? Gay people, how do you feel about trans people? How do you feel about, you know, um, women who have had abortions, like women who have given up their children for adoption? I was like, actually, I have good friends in every single one of those categories. And the person wrote back and said, wow, I have a lot of thinking to do because I didn't know that you could coexist with people who are so different than yourself.
0: You look at Jesus, he was friends with everybody, and everyone like glared at him for it you know, they were like, how can you be friends with that horrible person either? Maybe you can learn something from that person in a different, you know, place than you. Know. I love that. So
1: oh, yeah, I think we absolutely can all learn from each other, no doubt.
0: Line number five, the color of my skin determines if I have privilege. This is a tough one. It's going around all over um, Instagram and of the like. And I think we just have to um, take every situation as it comes, person to person, and judge people by their merit, not by their skin. Um, and also, we don't really know anything about another person because we haven't walked a day in their shoes. So how can I tell you you have privilege? I think
1: this, I think this might people. be a really, this may be a very bold Speaking of bold and that this may be a bold statement to say because it's against the narrative that we're all hearing. But I just don't, I, I have to reject the notion that a single race has ultimate privilege. And, and I've already told friends this. I will not raise my children to believe that. I am never going to sit my children down, even though I've read 20 memes about this. I am never going to sit my white children down and ever tell them that they have privilege. I'm so sorry. Feel free to DM me if you disagree with that but why on earth would i ever put the thought into a perfect innocent mind that they are better than another human being why would i do that and why are people encouraging us to do that we need to really think through the narratives that people are telling us to promote in our families and in our circles why would we why would we ever perpetuate that thought to me it's just like love your neighbor be kind to every single soul you meet. Be loving to everybody that you meet. So, yeah, I don't, I, I reject that there's blanket privilege on one race. I think God made all of us the same.
0: I agree with you. And it gets dangerous when we're being told we have to tell our children something like that. That puts them, that puts everybody at a um, disadvantage. Every single race, if we tell our children to think that way, we're putting everybody we're giving everyone a disservice. I'm with you, sis. Okay. Line number six, because I'm pro-life, I don't support women's rights. Bridget, you got to talk about, um, a recent post you made. I, I loved what you spoke about. I loved the research you did behind it. And I don't think even my pro-life sisters and brothers even know about this.
1: So recently the Supreme court, um, passed a law that actually overturned another law in Louisiana um, that is now allowing for um, abortion clinics in Louisiana to operate on their own safety terms, and they do not have to abide by the same safety standards that all other clinics of any kind or surgical centers of any kind in the state of Louisiana have to adhere to. Now, this was a big deal for both you know, conservatives and liberals, pro-life, pro-choice. Because um, to say it in plain man's terms, at this point, abortion clinics in Louisiana have free reign to operate however they please. There could be rat feces on the ground. There could be bloody utensils. There could be rusty utensils. And they now have to—they they now have the ability to operate under the standard of their choosing. And for the Supreme Court to protect that. Um, and not protect the woman walking through the doors of those clinics, I think this decision is starting to make people rethink their trust in Planned Parenthood. Because I posted a video on social media explaining what was passed, because I saw a lot of memes circling, and I'm like, I don't think these people who are pro-choice really understand what they're promoting here. Because if they knew what got passed, they might rethink supporting something that says, Hey, women's lives don't really matter because what that law said was we don't have to, Planned Parenthood doesn't have to call an ambulance for a woman. They don't have to call an ER doctor if a woman um, has issues in her abortion goes wrong. So essentially they're putting women in a vulnerable place who step through those doors. And so I explained that um, on my Instagram story and I had like over 20 responses from both sides of the aisle, both opinions, saying, wow, I didn't know that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's that's terrible to hear. Um, and another thing I shared, just to end on a positive note, was uh, the abortion rate is the lowest it has ever been since abortion was passed in 1973. So our generation is technically the most pro-life generation um, you'll see those shirts that say pro-life generation and they made those because literally we are the most pro-life generation women are not getting abortions anymore as much at least as much as they used to be and yet we see it all over as if it is this necessary um, health care service for women and women are choosing life so we have to we have to listen to women we need to start listening to women we need to stop listening to Planned Parenthood and start listening to women. We need to listen to women's stories and their experiences, and we also need to encourage them and empower them.
0: Absolutely. And Roe and Roe v. Wade, her wish was that we would overturn the case that was about her. You know, she never even had an abortion. Roe v. Wade never even had an abortion. So there's a lot of lies being spewed around and Bridget just debunked one and she's right. We care From we care about the women from the womb to the death, so women's rights. And the
1: last slide on that lie, I'll just say that also sparked a lot of people messaging me, is I shared the background of the founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Margaret Sanger. Sanger. It was actually a racist, like, and not even like, oh, maybe she was racist. She said something weird one time. She actually said we need to destroy the Negro population, and she spoke at KKK rallies like twelve times. And that's not something made up. You can literally rent her autobiography at the library and read that in her own words in her autobiography, which I welcome many people to do. Um, And I actually want to read her autobiography because I'm fascinated by how we celebrate. How on earth does our culture allow that we celebrate this woman? That blows my mind.
0: Me too. Anyway, My favorite. line number seven. Every celebrity I follow is saying it and the mainstream media is saying it. So it has to be truth. You guys, come on. Well, I just think it comes down to stay in your lane, okay? Do what, use the gifts God gave you. If he gave you a gift to make people laugh, keep making people laugh. But John Stewart, don't go on Tucker Carlson and berate him for having a great talk show. There's so many, we just have to stay in our lane. And, and you guys, if we're really honest with ourselves, Lord knows I do this, social media, Right, Instagram. When we're on it, usually we enjoy getting likes and we enjoy the following and stuff. That's why it was made. So when people, celebrities specifically, are spewing their beliefs, it's a lot of the times I think it's the popular thing to do right now to follow the crowd, um, it, to follow the loudest person. Does that mean it's thing, right?
1: I I wanted like bring back your point of stay in your lane. Like, we both love film and acting. Like, I grew up loving watching the Oscars. I loved, like, waiting till the best picture moment. Like, just it just lit me up, and I still love film, and it still is, like, just my passion in life. Mm-hmm. But- I can't even watch the Oscars anymore. No joke. Like I no. cannot even stomach it because actors will get up there and they don't even talk about their role. Mm-hmm. They don't even talk about the beauty of their, of their skill. Cause let's talk about it. This is a, they have these beautiful gifts that God gave them to be amazing, incredible actors and actresses. And instead of focusing on the talents that God gave them and you know, the gifts that they've been, Given they get up there and they scream about the right to get an abortion who who asked like it, we're not watching it for that I mm-hmm. don't know that's just how I felt especially the last Oscar of a, me yeah because that's the most anti-woman message to say that mm-hmm. a mother can't get an Oscar that's essentially mm-hmm. what she said exactly. she said if it hadn't been for the right to choose I wouldn't be standing up here with my Oscar mm-hmm. well I just want to be like lady you know how much you can accomplish with children I was I'm a far more productive person since having Mm -hmm. children Mm -hmm. than before having children.
0: Me too, sister. (laughs) The last thing I'll say is you guys, the media has one agenda and it always has. That's it. It's been on one side the whole time. And so it's good to just think for yourself.
1: You said something amazing to me the other day. Don't let someone else turn in your ballot for you. Mm -hmm. Don't let someone that you admire for a totally different reason then the things we're talking about, don't let them turn your
0: ballot in for you. I love, I love what you said. It's yours. Yeah. Do your research. Lie number eight. I am alone in my beliefs.
1: I think this is just one of the biggest lies that that we can be told. And I think that we're just going to get real religious here, guys. Sorry, sorry in advance. This is a lie that 100% comes from the enemy. Mm -hmm. He wants us to feel alone. He wants us to follow the crowd, Mm -hmm. and he wants us to be afraid to stand up for truth. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so I just, I just full heartedly reject this lie.
0: When you, when you're talking about your beliefs and being alone in them, why did you believe them in the first place, right? And if you, Mm -hmm. if you take it to prayer and if you take it internally and really sit on it, um, I heard a couple quotes today. One, if um, every person just spent 15 minutes to an hour in silence every day, we would change the world are we really, are we really taking things to heart and really thinking before we speak, thinking before we just assume something? You're not alone in your beliefs. I think we've been forced to be fearful and, you know, shunned and, um, talked over, but Bridget and I heard this quote from, um, father Patrick recently, and it goes like this. If it is beauty you want, I am beauty. If you want goodness, I am goodness for I am supremely good. I am wisdom. I am kind. I am compassionate. I am the just and merciful God.
1: So beautiful. I want to get that like put on my wall.
0: Just so we don't forget.
1: And just meditate on it. Um, And so this, this specific why is just like an encouragement to anyone, any believer out there that you are not alone in your beliefs. It is okay to have faith and to believe in God and that we need to just we need to stand true in our identity, mm-hmm. um, and just and just be okay with that. And and if if it's met with any sort of opposition, then then greet it with a smile and chat with the human being in front of you. And hopefully, you guys come to a beautiful conclusion mm-hmm. by the end of the conversation.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: Um, this one just might be maybe you've never heard this term before, but lie number nine: spiritual warfare doesn't exist. And I only recently um, kind of was made aware of what spiritual warfare is. And when I first heard it, I'm like, that sounds super strange. That sounds like you literally are fighting demons in your mind and that you're just not right with the head and need to see a doctor probably. But actually, the more I researched this topic and I listened to talks on it and have read different books and articles, Spiritual warfare is honestly just, first of all, the understanding that there is good roaming this earth, and there's also evil on this earth. And if we don't admit and accept that there are evils in this world, then we are going to be walking around without a full understanding of what's going on beyond what the human being can see. And it's not to say we should walk around scared. It's just to say we need to be cognizant of always asking ourselves, is this from good? Or is this coming from a spirit of um, anger or or evil or how did we need to always be mindful of how is something making me feel? If something is giving you unrest, it is likely not from God, even if it is painted as a good movement, even if it is painted as a New York Times bestseller, we should all read this book. You have to read this book. It's going to change your mind about how you see the world. If you finish reading that book and your heart is unwell and you can't sleep at night, that is probably not a good book and it's probably not a God.
0: Spiritual woundedness too, because all of us um, from childhood, from little moments to big moments that happen in our lives are wounded. We all are wounded. And so we carry those wounds around our whole lives unless we face them. And it's just a fact. And so the evil one, he hates holiness. He hates goodness. He hates all of that stuff. And he, all he wants is for us to maintain this like place of comfortability always in everything we do. And he puts us, he reminds us of our failures and he reminds us of, um, our sins and he reminds us of shame and how we've hurt others. And he reminds us of how others have hurt us he wants us to never forget those things. He wants to just make them bigger than they are, and he wants us to live around with them and um, project that onto other people. So until we go inward and really work through this spiritual warfare and this spiritual the spiritual woundedness, we cannot we cannot go out and tell the world how to live. All we can do is work on ourselves, and that has taken me years to understand too. It's like such a heavy thing. Like who wants to unpack their whole childhood and middle years and all of their shortcomings, but we have to, that's where the work is and that's where the joy comes. But if we're being really honest with ourselves, like we all have work to do. The enemy wants all of us to go against each other.
1: Well, I was just going to say too, that, um, it's not, um, some, some huge thing that can happen in your life also happen in little conversations Mm -hmm. whether it's with your spouse or let's say you know there's people that are home because of covid and they're staying family members that they're not usually with Mm -hmm. and spiritual warfare can literally be misinterpreting somebody's words and all of a sudden a fight's happening in your kitchen and you don't even know why you're mad at the other Mm -hmm. person but you have an unrest and you have kind of this anger in your heart and in your spirit and you don't even know why it's probably about the dishes or something mm-hmm. and like if we're more mindful of those many mini, mini attacks we can completely change our mood mm-hmm. in the moment and say oh no like you know those funny t-shirts like not today <laughs> get Satan. behind me i'm not gonna let you in my house right now right you're not coming into my right. and um and there's this one quote i really love from saint padre pio he says if any thought agitates you this, ag- this agitation does not come from God, who gives you peace, bringing the spirit of peace. The other is from the devil. And I hate to say it because we don't really want to speak his name, but we need to think through is looking through my social media feed, and I'm talking to myself here, <laughs> is this causing me agitation? Well, guess what? And I need to put it down. It's not from God, and I need to put it down, and I don't need to focus on it.
0: Amen. To love is to will the good for the other. That's another thing we can just always be thinking
1: And I think if you take that little line and you just carry that with you, you can always combat those little negative moments of spiritual warfare, even if it's a family member, you know, questioning your beliefs or writing something mean to you on Facebook or whatever it may be. um, It could be a small thing or it could be something that deeply hurts you. But if you just carry in your heart, you know, to love is to will the good of the other, even in a hard conversation, even in... A difficult moment you can stop for a minute before you respond and you can say I need to love right now and mm-hmm. I need to look at this person and treat them like a daughter or son of God because that's what they are even if we don't see it in the moment
0: amen which brings us to our last slide God is not real Wow.
1: I mean I just think that that is the biggest lie of them all, which is why we're ending on it. Yeah. Because I think both of us have had very clear moments in our life where mm-hmm. God was so apparent to us totally. on a personal level. I mean, God has carried me through so much personal trauma and, and given me a beautiful life. And I don't think that that just happens from poof. I think mm-hmm. that that happens through developing a relationship with your Creator, mm-hmm. um, and it is what you make it, and that's the thing. God is real, whether you, whoever's listening, whether you want to believe it or not. But you will see His realness the more you put into the relationship. It's mm-hmm. just like any friendship. If you don't call your friends but once a year, you're probably not great friends with them. Mm-hmm. But it's like me and I. Like we're we're memo, voice memo, texting okay. every day. Mm-hmm. We're talking all the time. If you treat your relationship with God like that, like they're your best friend, mm-hmm. are, he's going to be very present in your life. Totally. Instead of, you know, hopefully wait. You don't want to wait till the last second to realize God's been waiting for you.
0: I think that's the best way to say it, B is like he's going to always be there. He's always here for you. But why would you want to wait when he offers such a beautiful life and such a beautiful um, perspective on life? Because life's really hard and it's going to beat you down. And things aren't going to go your way. And um, there's going to be tough seasons and there's going to be all the things. And then there's going to be a time in your life where you just want to work really hard to get past anything that you're holding back from living in a more joyful life. So I think he is so real. And I believe I always say this in multiple conversions, which is called a reversion just because you haven't had this huge come to Jesus moment. I always looked for it my whole young, young, young life um, because I would hear those testimonies and I longed for it so badly, but I also didn't want a huge death and tragedy to happen in my life to get there, but he'll seek you in the little things. He'll, he'll speak to you through friendship through other people. I've, I've been places before where I, I, I just am looking at a human being and I can see Jesus in their eyes just by what they're telling me. And those are unforgettable moments. He'll, he'll seek you out. He will find a way to find you. All you have to do is say, yes, please, and be open to it. He'll find anything, anything for you, because he loves you individually. I heard one time, like, he'll use a hot boy in the, L- in the high school that you have a crush on to find your heart. He will do anything that he needs Amen. to get to you.
1: Well, I mean, case in point, He brought all of us together to become friends. Yeah. I mean, we met at a retreat. Johnny came along on this retreat when we had (laughs) all just reconnected. I mean, he if you look into like the details of your life, God's hand is usually written all over it. Mm -hmm. And it's the same during these hard times. Mm. If we try to carry the burden of what's happening right now in our culture with with our just ourselves and the little just the minuscule abilities that we have to carry such a burden. I mean, no wonder there's mental illness through the roof. There's anxiety through the roof. It's just because we need to rely on a higher power in mm-hmm. these times. And
0: it's and all we have.
1: God. And he, he loves all of us. And he and you're right. You see him in friendships. You see him in your family. Mm-hmm. You see him maybe even in strangers that you meet in the side totally. of the road. You have a beautiful encounter with them Mm -hmm. and that's God. Mm -hmm. And so we need to name it and we need to acknowledge it. And we also need to just share it.
0: I mean, Mm -hmm. especially right now we have no choice right now because it feels so far, but he's here.
1: And that's what we really just like Ken's and I want you guys to know. Like we did this episode because we feel like now more than ever, it's so important to be convicted in what you believe. And it's so important to share um, the truth that has set your own life mm-hmm. on fire. And so that's why we're here. And, um, and even with the Rachel and Dave Paula stuff, like we we pray for them. We, we're super sad about the news of their divorce, but it really propelled these big conversations with mm-hmm. us of like, you know, maybe it's not as big as everyone's making it out to be to change right. the world. Maybe we literally need to just love the people in front of us, keep our families together you know, help raise our kids to have beautiful childhoods, mm-hmm. you know, that they don't need to heal from. Right. And and they grow up to be beautiful human beings that help change the world. And I, I just think we've overcomplicated it so much. It's really just about family.
0: That's all it is. And keeping that family strong. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Thank you guys for listening. We're so excited to also, um, we have some really exciting um, guests coming up that are going to talk more and explain on all these topics and these lies and hopefully debunk these lies even more
0: they'll do a better job than even us i can't wait and (laughs) we'll put um we'll put we'll put the lies in the um show notes too and the truths that combat them guys, bye